That's Podcasting, a movie musical podcast. I'm Cody Pasby. And I'm Paul Ponte. And this week, we are wrapping up our month-long look at those Muppets. I was about to say Puppets. But uh, yeah, we we are. This is it. Well, for now. We say goodbye to Kermit and Friends for now. Uh, There are many more Muppet movies. Almost all of them are musicals, so we will be talking about more in the future. But a nice way to wrap things up where... We go from uh, the original trilogy of Muppet movies to the movie that in many ways was uh, trying to reintroduce us to these characters. The first The Foz Awakens, if you will. The the Muppets, The Foz Awakens. Uh, Yes, uh, yes. And then, of course, followed by The Last Waldorf and uh, The Rise of Scooter. So, uh, yes, it was uh, quite a trilogy they had in mind here. Uh, but the the first Muppet movie that was made, really, not by the Muppet crew. This is uh, a lot of people who are in love with the Muppets, loved the, the, the property, grew up with the property. But uh, for the first time, really, in the history of these characters, you are getting a feature-length theatrical film that basically has no involvement uh, i think i went over the the credits not even brian henson has any involvement uh, in the production of this movie and of course we're talking about 2011's the muppets uh, which is disney's attempt to uh, reintroduce us to these uh, characters that um to put it lightly the history of disney and the muppets has been uh, a little rocky uh I mean, literally right after the last movie we talked about, The Muppets Take Manhattan, the beginnings of negotiations for Jim Henson and Disney are, they kind of had been going on for a while, but they really heat up after that. Um, and, and for years and years, uh, they Disney had been trying to buy the rights to The Muppets, at least bought partially the rights to The Muppets, I think, in 1989. Uh, and mm-hmm. then a year later, of course, uh, Jim Henson tragically passes away. Uh, I think I even mentioned in one of the early episodes that some uh, fans say that this is the deal that killed Jim Henson because it caused an incredible amount of stress on him um, a- as he was going through negotiations. It was not pretty. And um, unfortunately, uh, I don't, you know, I love this movie, but I think I think it's fair to say that Disney has not really known what to do with this property since they acquired it. Yeah, I feel like that's what... I feel like Disney second-guesses themselves a lot. And it's really weird to say that for a multi-national, you know, international corporation that is trillions and trillions of dollars in revenue year after year. Uh, because... They they did this with with Star Wars and you hear like the stories like there you know the Star Wars trilogy has been successful. There's some middling ideas of which movies are actually good in them. Uh, some people hate the Last Jedi. Some people love the Last Jedi. Some people hate the Rise of Skywalker. Some people love the Rise of Skywalker. Blah blah blah. Um, Only but, one of those groups is right, by the way. I won't say who, but I think but, you should know who it is. <laughs> but like then you hear the stories of like Rogue One and changing directors and having to redo stuff. Uh, doing extensive reshoots on Solo, changing the directors of that, uh, second-guessing what they're going to do. Uh, the same thing happened with Marvel. It's like, oh, well, we're going to have uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's going to be directly tied to the MCU. And then they kind of went, well, mm, we're tangentially maybe, kind of, we'll kind of reference Samuel Jackson will show up. 
and then, and then, and then that's what it ended up being. Um, and then the same thing with the Muppets. They they tried a new you know the Muppets Tonight. Uh, they tried to do all kinds of stuff where, and then they kind of pull the plug and they second guess and they go with something else. Now they're doing the what is it Muppets Now is what it's called. Yeah, Muppets Now, which I did really enjoy. Yeah. Sorry about that. If my mic sounds different, uh, I had to change mics real quick. Uh, my fault entirely. I had the wrong mic setup. Uh, apologize to the listeners. Paul, I'm starting to believe this is a cursed episode. Uh, for those yeah, who don't know, uh, this is our second attempt trying to <laughs> record this episode. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm starting to feel like uh, Frank Oz right now. It's because I, 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 I feel like no matter what I try to do to bring back the Muppets, someone keeps trying to take it away from me. It's almost like <laughs> somebody in the Muppet uh, Beyond doesn't want us to talk about this movie, which again... You talk to Muppet fandom. Uh, I don't think anyone wants them to talk about the movie. Oh, 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 thank, oh, you. Oh. thank you. That was a, there you go. The layup right there. Uh, yeah, I think if you talk to Muppet fandom, I think th- there is a lot of respect and love for this movie when it first came out. But I think that over the years, maybe the diehard Muppet fans um, still kind of look at this as like a, hey, great effort. But, you know, there's a big what if of what this movie could have been. Um and and there's a divide. It's the yeah. it's the post Henson Muppets yeah, basically. It that's is what, that's what these are. These these and I really enjoyed the second movie Muppets Most Wanted. I did but, too. I really liked. But that. it wasn't anywhere near the same success as this one. And I think much like the same thing with with Star Wars, when something gets reintroduced, um, the novelty goes off quick to the to the generic not the generic excuse me the um. To the casual fan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone's excited for the, the initial outing, and then it's kind of like, okay. Yeah, that's exactly it. And no, I'm watching Stranger Things or something. Right. <laughs> you know? We've moved on. Yeah. Collectively, yeah. you moved on to something else. And especially with Disney, where they were acquiring this, like, I mean, what, a year later, they acquire Star Wars. Um, yeah. So really, even their, mind fr- their mindset has shifted. And I think, in general, the mindset of what do we do with the Muppets at least with the current regime, was never really a priority because this was always former Disney CEO Michael Eisner, hello, uh, his baby. This was always something he wanted to do. This was his dream. When he came in, it was, what do I do? What's the big property I can acquire that is the next Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Goofy, Donald? Is Is he the one that absorbed Pixar in? No, that happens. That's one of the first moves Iger made. Okay. Does that that's what kind of led to the downfall is the Eisner um well see there's a there's a lot you can go into. I think I already referenced Defunct Land, which is a great YouTube channel if you're a big yeah. theme park person. He does a great thing about the Eisner era, a few videos about the Eisner era. Um his his partner at Disney at the time, I, I his name is escaping me, but he, that era where it's those two is where you get Disney Renaissance, it's where you get uh, a ton of great rides that come into the Disney theme parks. It's where you get the Muppet acquisition also at the same time. So all of these really great moves are happening. Then the creative, then he passes away. Um, and then uh, that's where things, Frank Wells, excuse me, is the, is the uh, former uh, Warner Brothers, uh, uh, head of Warner Brothers, Frank Wells, took over with him. Frank Wells passes away, and that's where you get the big divide. That's where it suddenly goes from Disney Renaissance all this great stuff to, um, you know, things like Disney Quest is now popping up and uh, just these really failed attempts 
to, also, to do something different and new, and it was an oversaturation begins. You know. Yeah, and there was also a, it also didn't help. I won't I won't put full blame onto Disney for that because there was the giant shift from animated into 3D, and yeah. Disney hung on for a while doing animated movies that a lot of them are really good, but they just weren't as big of a success because the the public kind of moved on from 2D animation. Unfortunately, and then yeah. yeah, then you know that's where the acquisition eventually comes to Pixar and everything because they're like. Well, we need to get on this yeah. this successful Finally train. see which way the wind is blowing, yeah. Unfortunately, what, the last um, hand-drawn animated movie Disney did was Princess and the Frog, which only has gained popularity in the years afterwards. It's gained a lot of popularity since, but, it, I, but when it first came out, it was considered a flop. Yeah, I just watched it this year, and uh, this is the first time I've seen it, and I loved it. It's great. I thought it was fantastic. It's a great movie. Uh, another movie we will eventually talk about. Yes. But... Uh, yeah, so so there's a lot of reasons why Disney kind of went into into disarray, much like every other studio. Mm-hmm. To be honest, there was a lot of that going on. Studios were getting bought by other studios, and it was you know monopolies, yay. Um, and uh, so the Muppets, I think, was was uh, was Eisner's last hurrah. Yeah, he was like, "What can I do at the towards the end of my tenure here?" To really like a flagship acquisition, and it was the Muppets. Yeah, he he finalizes. So the Disney deal with the Muppets happens in the '90s. That's where you get Muppet Vision 3D, the final film yeah. made by the entire Muppets crew, which is legitimately fantastic. It is really really good. Uh, you get Muppets at the theme parks. You get uh, a revived Muppet show. Uh, all of these things on on ABC, I believe. But he finalizes the actual acquisition Disney owns the Muppet property right before he is kicked out the door. And in a way it's less of a triumphant moment and more of a F you. I always wanted the Muppets. Now yet now it's your problem. And um, mm. which it, it sucks. If you're a Muppet fan, that's not the way you want this to all go down. You don't want it to be like almost a, uh, you know, like a yeah. And what year? What year was this? This was I don't know the exact year that it was acquired by Disney. That it was actually finalized, but it was in the early two thousands. I mean, it was just so yeah, the early two thousands. Yeah. And their first Muppet movie after that was a uh, was two thousand eleven. Right, right. That exactly. goes to show how far on the back burner this went. Uh, for a couple of reasons. This this is actually this is very similar to in, in in all walks of life, whether it comes to sports teams or movies. Or movie studios or anything like that is that when the new guy comes in, the first thing they do is shove back everything the previous person did, and they're like, "How can I introduce what I want my mark to be?" Uh, so, like for instance, in, in you know, I'm a big soccer fan. Um, if somebody signs a player right before a new manager comes in, chances are that that player kind of gets screwed. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's especially if it's a gamble. If it's like, oh, I just signed this young guy. Who knows if he's going to be good or not? The new manager most likely will be like, well, actually, but I want to sign these guys. So that's who I'm going to sign, and that's who I'm going to play. That's totally that's, what it was because yeah. at that point, because what the up to that point, the Muppets were in some viral videos on YouTube where they yeah were they doing were doing like, like uh, they were doing like a remakes of like Bohemian Rhapsody, right. and they actually did well. They were vi- yeah. very viral, had millions of hits, like. They weren't just like, you know, they were actually utilizing them pretty well in that sense. But it also, I think every time they came up, it was like, boy, wish we were doing more with these characters because they're just kind of sitting around collecting dust. But really, it takes, it, it wasn't until suddenly a guy who's like, hi, I have an idea. 
uh, comes in and is essentially begging them to make Muppet movies to finally, you know, for Disney to finally say, all right, fine, let's do something with this property. Well, technically, but Disney had been floating around the idea a while, Cody, with uh, Mr. Frank Oz. That's right. Of course. Of course. So the idea for the for this movie was supposed to be the cheapest Muppet movie ever made was the title. The working title, whatever you want to call it. So, way back after uh, the last the last movie they made, which was yeah, Muppets Take Manhattan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they decided I couldn't remember, so I needed you to just to <laughs> give me my time. I was like, here. "Are you just like uh, thank you for you know? Let's, let's just, this is nice back and forth. I'm just throwing it your way, baby." Uh, <laughs> so Jerry Jewell, who was a writer since the Muppet Show. Uh, they came up with idea with with Jim Henson and Frank Oz for a movie where uh, Kermit's burnt out from making movies, a la Jim Henson being yeah. burnt out. <laughs> and uh, exact same situation. Yeah, Gonzo's gonna direct the new Muppet movie, uh, but he blows his budget in the opening credits, so the movie gets progressively cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as it goes on. It would eventually even go to. Uh, the point where it would be filmed by Super 8 and then storyboards and then eventually there would be a random corporate sponsor and the movie would end in glorious HD. Amazing. Blah, 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 blah. Amazing. And it's such a shame to this day that we never got that movie. Uh, but uh, there, there is a part of me when you when you mentioned that that I think maybe it never ever every it, it almost gets made every time because it's such a great idea but i think there's probably some exec who is all about like what about the wide reach of this and probably says you know what is this a little uh is is this a little too high concept for a major audience for a full for a wide audience it might be a little too much and i think that maybe yeah. is always what stops the tennis tracks gonzo's film would be titled into the jaws of the demons of death uh which yes. would, I'm guessing, he wanted it to be a nice big action flick. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, in a 2000 interview, uh, Frank Oz discussed the script, and th- it was gone so far that in September 2009, it was discussed at D23 episode at D23 Expo. And they were like, okay, so then they, w- they went ahead and they did a rewrite. They went ahead and rewrote the whole thing. Uh, when Dick Cook was ahead of Disney, he asked me to get involved with a Muppet movie. This is Frank Oz, by the way, and a Reddit Ask Me Anything from January 2018. So because the previous script was dated from being written 40 years ago, I did rewrite it with the help of Jim Lewis. And personally, I loved it. I wish it could be made, but today, but the time is now gone because it feels like Disney would like to go their own way. So much like George Lucas handing in his ideas for the sequel trilogy and Kathleen Kennedy saying, thanks, but no, um, this is what Disney did to yes. the ideas of Frank Oz. I guess you don't um, want to see, you know, a microscopic Jedi adventure about the wheels. You know, I guess that's not what audiences mm. want, but, uh, you know, that's that's where... This is a story about family and also about yeah. microscopic DNA of Jedis. Yeah, I'm still confused as to what this would be because Jim Lewis actually revealed that one scene that was rewritten would actually take place during the Muppet movie that showed action behind the curtains of the Miss Bogan County beauty pageant right before Miss Piggy's entrance. Maybe some so time travel if, is involved here. Which yeah, time traveling or maybe like a flashback. Yeah, probably. But uh, I, I think also, yeah. Paul, to, to kind of show you how long this thing has they've been trying to make this thing. I believe there was a uh, an announced project for Disney Plus involving Josh Gad that he was going to executive produce that was going to be a uh, th- they were going to take elements of this of the of the cheapest movie ever made and make it into a Disney Plus original film with the Muppets. And it 
eventually did get canceled just a few months ago. I think it got canceled, um, which, again, they just keep trying to make this thing, and it's just not happening. And I don't think it's ever going to happen. Much like this episode of this podcast, Cody. <laughs> uh, take seven. We understand. We understand yeah. the pain. But in 2008, uh, after working a little bit with the Henson Company and designing the puppets for Forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, a couple of men by the name of Jason Siegel and Nick Stoller decide, wouldn't it be great if we could make a Muppet movie? So they pitched a concept for the idea to Disney Vice President Kristen Burr. The pitch was well-received, and the pair was offered a deal to develop their script. In March 2008, Variety first reported that Disney signed a deal with Siegel and Stoller to create the next Muppet movie, with Siegel and Stoller penning the script and Nicholas Stoller attached to direct. Siegel's been very outspoken on his involvement, uh, mentioning the role for writing the Muppets, Everywhere he went, he talked about the Muppets. He was like, I'm writing the Muppets. I'm so excited to do the Muppets. It's my favorite thing. Kermit is my hero. I would brag about it, too, honestly, if if they're like... Yeah. Because, you know, at this time, what? Jason Segel is uh, Freaks and Geeks, which a cult hit... But, yeah, then he then he did Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which was a big hit. Right. And it was like but not, names but, on the map. But all of these, I think, though, are like, even still, uh, it, it is kind of crazy that it's like, let's hand the keys to the car to Jason Siegel, which, like I said, Freaks and Geeks was a cult hit, but not a huge hit. Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I think of the, because that was like a big year for comedy that like last, that year, year and a half where that came out, because you got like that and like Step Brothers and Tropic Thunder and Pineapple Express. It was a lot of really big theatrical comedy releases. And I think it was kind of the one that wasn't made as big a mark initially, but has grown since. But um, I think once you look at it, you th- look at that one and say, which one of all these big comedies have, has the most heart? Oh, don't, and I would don't say get me wrong. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, and just which is why quality I think, of movie. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. Which is why I think they look at that and they go, okay, well, the Muppets need to have a little bit of heart as well. Right, right. So that's, that to me is what, what you know, it, it was originally, by the way, the script was originally called The Greatest Muppet Movie of All Time uh, with multiple exclamation points. Three Somewhere Frank exact. Oz said, no, you don't, young man. Step, yeah. <laughs> slow your roll, kid. It also can be said that Frank Oz uh, has kind of shat on the the Muppets. Uh, now, how much of that is sour grapes uh, for his idea not getting worked on? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's also, but, you know. by the way, how everything comes. I don't know if I call this full circle, but I just find it interesting that Frank Oz, obviously, all of these gripes about how this Muppet movie got made. A lot of gripes with Disney, pretty upset with how they dealt with it. And then he ends up appearing in the second Disney Star Wars movie, reprising his role as Yoda, despite everything. So, yeah, I know. Just kind of funny how everything just called, you know, anyway, just kind of realize that. Uh, according to early drafts, the film would include celebrity cameos by Vince Vaughn, John Favreau, Christian Bale, Ben Stiller, Steve Carell, George Clooney, Jack Black, Mel Brooks, Matt Damon, Anne Hathaway, Emily Blunt, Rachel Ray, Bob Saget, Lisa Lampanelli, Lisa Lampanelli, excuse me, Jeff Ross, and Charles Grodin. You can't have Bob Saget in there. He's too dirty. Have you heard that, Paul? Have you heard he's a dirty comedian? Crazy, I haven't right? heard that. That's yeah. interesting. But he was on Full House. I know, but you uh, know, it's crazy. Also, by the way, before you go any further, please, please put, I if only, because this was... When did the Christian Bale blow up video go viral? Uh, just because uh, it was when it was, they were filming Terminator so, Salvation. So it was right around here. So it was just a few years before. Imagine Kermit or like Scooter as like the director of a scene, and Christian Bale blows up at him. That's come on, it writes itself. Maybe yeah. it's a little hack, but at the time, that shit would have killed. Uh, cameo was written for Elmo, but it was said that it would have been too expensive. Uh, apparently, the Sesame Street really does not 
lend out their talent for any small price. No, um, that whole that yeah. that whole thing too is weird. What a uh, like what that Sesame Street is owned by a separate company from the Muppets, and then there's other Muppet pro- other Henson properties like Fraggle Rock that are still owned by Warner Brothers, and it's yeah, it, it is yeah. kind of a a shame that all of the Henson creations are not under one roof. Although I kind of like that, the fact that yeah. they own the Muppets, but they don't own Henson. Uh, no, that I like. That I, that I do like. I mean, in a perfect world, all of the Henson creations would be their own independent thing yeah. that they can go and, you know, some studios have the rights to make some movies, but they all are under one roof so that you could use Elmo and these characters in, in these Muppet movies. Yeah. But all like. the Hensons, independent, throw your Muppets at me. And... <laughs> Uh, Stoller, <laughs> excuse me. Nicholas Stoller commented on the film in a 2008 interview. He said, we're going to do an old school Muppet movie where the Muppets have to put on a show to save the studio. It's simple. A big part of the movie is rounding up all the Muppets from around the world because they've been separated. So it's collecting them and bringing them together to put on a big show. It should har- harken back to the great Muppet caper and Muppets Take Manhattan and those kind of Muppet movies. Jason and I are having a lot of fun writing it. We want to get as many cameos and guest stars as possible. Jason will play a human ventriloquist, and his puppet is alive and wants to be a Muppet. Yeah. Now, this this was the original uh, idea behind it, but as speaking to the Henson Company, they basically informed them that the Muppets are not puppets, so puppets cannot become Muppets. (laughs) That basically is the idea. Muppets are their own thing. Either he's a Muppet or he isn't. Is he a man or is he a Muppet? Yeah. Or is he a Muppet of a man? Right. Or a manly Muppet. Yeah. Uh, Jason Siegel appeared on Late Night with Jamie Fallon in 2009. Uh, So two years before the movie came out was already like, it's coming, folks. And uh, he talked about their working on the script and Statler and Waldorf appear in the audience to heckle Fallon and Siegel. And uh, Jason Siegel said, we had a great trick at the end where I wrote that Kermit, this is the original ending to the movie, he was going to have Kermit say, I'm so happy you guys liked our telethon. As a matter of fact, we're going to relaunch The Muppet Show this fall on ABC. Uh, ABC was said was like, what are you talking about? Take it easy, kid. And according to the Blu-ray commentary, the note that they got back from Disney on that part of the script was, nice try. Ah, so basically, they tried to shame only. Disney into redoing The Muppet Show. They tried to will the Muppet Show back into existence, which, my yeah. God, that would have been so good. I, I do remember after this came out, I just kept thinking, why isn't the Muppet Show still a thing? Why can't we have it back? Also, side note, why can't I watch the Muppet Show on Disney Plus? Is that another weird wrinkle in the Muppet Disney ownership? Why can I not watch all of the Muppet Show on there? Why is it nowhere? Even if it's not Disney Plus, why can't I watch it anywhere? And they had the DVD sets, which were great. And then I think they stopped. They There's a season missing. Give us the Muppet Show, people. Where's the Muppet Show? We need this in our lives. Our lives would be exponentially better if we just, uh, you know, could just stream it anywhere. I don't even care. It, put it I'm on Quibi. Right I'll now. get Quibi. Paul, I will get Quibi if the don't, Muppet Show was streaming do on that. there. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you're telling me you wouldn't? Come on. Muppet Babies is not on there as well. But the new Muppet Babies is, if I'm correct. Yeah, not the other one. But yeah, that that's another one. Here you go. Why doesn't Disney Plus have more Muppet stuff from March of this year uh, from uh, Vanity Fair? 
Uh, uh, clearing the music for the Muppet Show. <sighs> that's it? So it's all stuff that's... See, that's weird to me. Because there's things in this... I don't know. I guess it has to do with the way that they own The Simpsons. Because there are things in The Simpsons where I go, yeah, this wouldn't have flown. Like, this, there's, this, this is a property Disney doesn't own. But I guess it's in the name... It's in par- It's parody? Rather than, like, they're actually singing a song that Disney has no rights to, you know. All right. Fair enough. All right. Fine. Anyway, that's that stinks. So if you can find it on DVD or, or Blu-ray anywhere, that's still the ideal place to watch the Muppet show. Like, uh, for instance, I, I always rewatch the show Scrubs. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. But I watch it on Hulu. And so there's a lot of scenes where the music is different than it was on its original. Oh, line. yeah. Because the the music license expired, and so then they picked a cheaper song to just throw on there, uh, which uh, can be quite annoying. It's also the reason why Beavis and Butthead is not streaming anywhere, is because yeah, of the, they watch the music videos. Uh, I believe the great uh, classic sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati, you cannot find it anywhere, or when you do find it, it's all like royalty-free music, but when it was on, it was like actual songs you heard on the radio in yeah. the 70s. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> and the the point being, if you can buy physical media, do it because yeah. shit will. They are going to change shit on the fly so fast. I'm sorry to go off on a tangent about this, but it's going to happen. If yeah. you're like, oh, everything's fine right now, but like ten years from now, you're going to be like, I don't remember this scene. Uh, why is this happening? What's this song? Buy physical media now because it's going to be gone soon. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Although Stoller was originally going to direct in January 2010, James Bobin was hired to direct the film instead. Stoller would go on to move to other projects. Uh, David Hoberman and Ted Lieber, Todd Lieberman, excuse me, became producers for the film. Uh, they had a table read. They met with the creative heads of Pixar to fine tune the script in July 2010. Uh, this was at the time when Pixar was literally like now. Now we kind of look at Pixar and go like, well, you know, the good dinosaur didn't do so well. Yeah, Cars three didn't make I as mean, much. They're still when you would, but if you were to power the, rank animation studios, they're still number one. But. Yes. I'm saying yeah. at this time, they were literally batting a thousand. This, <laughs> like it this was... was the run of uh, Ratatouille, Wally, Up, Toy Story three, all four in a row. Yeah, that's this, that's, this that's as literally... good a run as anybody's. That's yeah. like, that's like Golden Four original Disney Snow yeah, White. Yeah, at this point Bambi. their worst like, that's, movie that's was. That level. At this point, their worst movie was what Cars. Yeah, which is a good movie. It's not yeah. a bad movie. So yeah, you know. So good, they made a ride out of it. You know what I mean? Like that's right. their worst movie. Right? <laughs> they had a ride. That's uh, crazy. Where you think the worst Pixar movie has made their best ride? <laughs> Which you know you what? It, it, that that whole trilogy of movies is justified by that land and by that ride, easily. See, I want the up ride where I get to watch uh, <laughs> a, a woman die Stop. in front of her husband. So on October 2010, it was announced that Amy Adams, Rashida Jones, and Chris Cooper uh, were joining the movie. Sequel will star as the lead role. Adams' his girlfriend. Jones will take the role as an ABC executive. Cooper will play the villain, a greedy man who wants to drill for oil underneath the, studi- the studio. Uh, and then in an earlier draft, it, appe- it appears he also had a personal vendetta against the Muppets. He never thought they were funny. That's just That would be too far. That would be just a, a step too far. Yeah. Even the worst people can find, find the Muppets funny. So Siegel originally wanted to actually, uh, he was considering writing all the music himself. 
Uh, we know he's actually an accomplished music- musician. He's able to write good songs. Forgetting Star Marshall. The I mean, Dracula. he had some help on those yeah. songs. He had some help on those songs, but still, I think they're mostly his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he instead gets Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords uh, to join in. He says, I'm good at writing songs that are allowed to just be funny. They don't need to be, have a tremendous amount of musical merit, but these Muppet songs have to be great. This is Siegel, by the way. Uh, the the lineage of the Muppet songs, sing, things like Rainbow Connection and all that, it's not a job for an amateur. Mackenzie really knows what he's doing, and his songs have just been beautiful. Uh James Bobin uh, revealed that an original script uh, featured a different ending, where it's revealed that Tex Richmond was actually Kermit in a human suit, yes. ma- who made up Tex's plans <laughs> just to get the Muppets back together. <laughs> I think that's a little too deceptive for Kermit. No, very much so. That Kermit would never do that. Although, yeah. just the image of them of him grabbing the zipper from the back of his head, and then suddenly it's Kermit on yeah. stilts, would be taking it wonderful. down Mission Impossible style with the rubber mask, yep. and then it's Kermit underneath. That to me, that that might be worth the comedy points. Just yeah. even though it kind of goes against Kermit's character. But uh, many Muppet characters were rebuilt for the film. A lot of stuff was recreated. Some puppets had actually gone missing, like Marvin Suggs, uh, who's the Muppet musician known for playing an instrument made of living balls of fluff. At this point, though, there are Bibles for every character, so everything is patterned and labeled. They used traditional puppets instead of computer-generated characters, but there were several visual effects shots in the film, allowing traditional characters to do things they had not been able to do before. Uh, The visual effects producer Janet Hamilton spoke of finding the right balance. About three months before shooting, I realized I needed education in all things Muppets because we really didn't want to cheat and use computer-generated puppets. We wanted the original puppets to do more than they've ever been able to do before, and it was very interesting. There's a scene where Walter dances on the dresser. It was done using puppeteers in green screen suits manipulating the joints. I spent a lot of time with puppeteers and the director, of course, discussing ways to achieve our ideas. We needed cool concepts that no one's ever seen before, all while maintaining the integrity of the Muppets, the Muppet franchise, the Muppet names, that Muppet feeling. So it's very obvious from this that that's what they did. Uh, There's a reason, you know, it's almost like, okay, it's like when you look at Yoda and then you look at the weird Yoda in episode one of The Phantom Menace. It's still a puppet, Mm -hmm. but it's off. It's so off. It doesn't look like Yoda. It doesn't move like Yoda. Yeah, he's younger, it's, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I'm just kidding. It actually looks like more of a puppet than the puppet from twenty something years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Although, <laughs> Which is, uh, if you were to ask me, because they have now uh, the the version that is on Disney Plus streaming, I believe, is the special edition. They have made uh, Yoda uh, CGI like he is in the rest of the series Mm. i prefer the even if it looks a little off give me the puppet yeah always the puppet but their idea and and you could tell in this movie they look like the muppets they move like the muppets there's no if you were to pick a scene from this and a scene from the older movies you wouldn't be able to tell which one is 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 being puppeted unless you heard kermit speak in which case you'd be very confused yeah Uh, Yeah. (laughs) it's like anytime Anytime Kermit's voice changes, it's like, oh. Yeah, like, what happened? Although, I think, um, one, Steve Whitmire at that point had been portraying Kermit since Muppet Christmas Carol, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, this is almost 20 years into him, well over 20 years at this point. Yeah, well, he's the one after Jim Henson. Right. Um, And also, he is part of the original Muppet crew. He was the original voice of Rizzo. Um, I think the new one really threw me for a loop. The new Kermit sounds way, way off to me. And no yeah. no disrespect, it's not an easy thing to, to... Those are really hard shoes to fill. I think Steve Whitmire did a pretty fantastic job of filling those shoes. And um, But it, old school fans, like even Doug Benson yeah. is like, 
this this isn't Kermit. No matter how many times I hear it, it's not Kermit. Yeah, like, I guess I, it, that's the one thing with the Muppets that uh, I will dis- I, I will just kind of be like, you know what? Like, there have been characters forever that have been that have been around forever, and they've been voiced by different people, and nobody batted an eye. And yeah, so why is this different? I guess it's because you're controlling th- them rather than just giving them their voice. But try, to me, yeah, it probably because. Because you feel know. like with the amount of voiceover actors that are on the planet, you like they couldn't find someone that sounded right, just like Jim Henson did. Right, because they've did done a pretty it, good so. job of like replicating the voices of these Disney characters of like Mickey and Goofy throughout the years. Done a pretty yeah. good job of like the Looney Tunes characters. Um, although the most recent one, Bugs, sounded a little off. Uh, but yeah, I, they've done a pretty good job. So yeah, why is it that Kermit suddenly? Then again, I'm not. I, mean, I think Steve Whitmire sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty spot yeah. on. So I'm not. I think he did a great job for for all those years. And uh, I, if you want to be a little depressed, look at the way he was kind of. Uh, I th- I think he was sort of shoved out of the way. Like it sounded like, oh, a new person is Kermit. And then you look at how the Steve Whitmire uh, ending of his tenure went, and it's not that great. Anyway, yeah. Uh, although a lot of the movie is filmed on the Warner Brothers lot, uh, including most of the. Uh, intro with the in the small town, which works because it's a small town. It's supposed to have this weird like 1950s aesthetic. Uh, a lot of it's filmed in studio lots, of course. But then uh, for the ending, Hollywood Boulevard was closed for two nights uh, to film the final musical number involving Adam Siegel and multiple Muppets in dancing in front of the El Capitan Theater with several rows of backup dancers and dozens of extras and Muppets and filling the busy street. And it really closes off the movie in a giant musical number which totally works and it and it's funny and it's the fact that it's actually there and not on a lot you can tell it feels bigger it looks bigger yep. and it just really ends the film on a high note yep you know not not to 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 you know for lack of a better term <laughs> it's fair uh yeah uh the times reported that Kermit would once again sing rainbow connection to resurrect classic material but also to show his range as an actor because Kermit says he's very dramatic in the film. In an interview, Kermit says that Siegel's a big kid and he, that the only problem is he's very tall, so I have to do most of my scenes standing on boxes. He's six foot three, six foot four, and I'm only about 18 inches high. Classic Kermit. Kermit, Kermit also says he's excited to be back in the movies. Nobody is, is no, not only is it a big project, but we get to be in the big. We get to be big on the screen. It's good for all of us except Piggy. She's not crazy about being any bigger. Classic uh, Kermit. Kermit, oh, you know, Kermit knows how to how to handle the press. He does. He's very good at it. He's very very good at it. Uh, I do like watching old uh, late show clips, late night clips, Tonight Show clips with Kermit. Uh, they're always delightful. Now, uh, the original cat, the original cameos in the movie were Rob Corddry, Billy Crystal, Ricky Gervais, Kathy Griffin, Sarah Hyland, Sterling Knight, Wanda Sykes, and Danny Trejo. They all filmed cameos. However, their scenes were cut from the final film. Trejo and Ricky Gervais would go on to have roles in Muppets Most Wanted. Trejo would now be in Muppets Now, yep. as we see on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Corddry uh, would would also get a cameo in uh, The Muppets Most Wanted, but he would also appear in another Jim Henson production, the music video for Do It Anyway by Ben Folds 5, along with the cast of, Cra- of Fraggle Rock. Very nice. Which is a great music video. Great Look music it up video. if you haven't. Uh, but who did we get in the movie, Cody? We got Jack Black as himself, mm-hmm. uh, Emily Blunt as the receptionist, reprising her role, uh, or at least parodying her role from Devil Wears Prada. Very much so, yeah. Uh, James Carville as himself, your favorite cameo. <laughs> Still... So weird. It it doesn't make any sense that he loves to appear. 
as yeah. himself. I did literally, I can't do a James Carville. I was about to do a James uh, Carville. I'm like, you nope, nope, stop it. Stop it right now. Yeah. You cannot do that. And don't. Uh, yeah. Feist, uh, Whoopi Goldberg as herself, Selena Gomez as herself, David Grawl as Anna Mool, the D- uh David Grawl? David Grohl, yeah. <laughs> Not Dave Grohl? Dave Grohl, excuse me. It's like, are you his are you his father? <laughs> excuse me. Apologize. Please. Apologies he's a me. rock and roll star. He hasn't been David since well, uh, he's before Anna Nirvana. Mool. Okay. Yes. He's Anna Mool as far as the Muppets. <laughs> uh Neil Patrick Harris is himself, Judd Hirsch is himself. John Krasinski as himself, Rico Rodriguez as himself, and Mickey Rooney as a small town USA resident. Uh, now that that doesn't even include people like Sarah Silverman, Silverman who have small parts in the movie, yep. uh, Donald Glover who has a small part in the movie, mm-hmm. Kristen Shaw who was Eddie Pepitone. There, there's a lot. Ken Jong, Zach Galifianakis. You know, there. Alan Arkin. Did you people. mention him? Who? Alan Arkin. Did I? Oh yeah, Alan him? Arkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As the uh, tour guide. Yes, throwing Very up the good. glitter. Yes, very good. <laughs> but there are a couple of cameos that you really have to be a Muppet nerd to know, and those are the ones I love. Uh, although uncredited, veteran Muppet performer Jerry Nelson can be heard as the announcer during the Muppet Telethon. Uh, he was on the original Muppet show. He was actually the original Statler uh, of Statler and Waldorf fame, but gave up the part for most of the Muppet show uh, to spend more time with his daughter. Uh, he was Gobo, the main character of Fraggle Rock, and a whole lot more. Um he actually ended up re, re excuse me, uh, re, uh, what would be the term? Repuppeting. Reprising, Reprising re- his re-puppeting. role. Okay, repuppeting. his role as, repuppeting his role as Statler, uh, after the, after, uh, excuse me, Richard Hunt died in 1992. Uh, he, he was the ghost of Christmas Present in The Muppet Christmas Carol, as well as Mad Monty and Blind Pew in Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, sadly, though, a year after this movie, Jerry Nelson died on August 23rd, 2012, after years of health issues. But I thought it was really great that he got to have one little cameo Absolutely. in the newest Muppet film. Uh, Greg Berg was also uh, the crew member counting down at the start of the telethon. He was by- Baby Fozzie and Baby Scooter on Muppet Babies. And the same scene has director James Bobin appearing in the control room. And Cody, there's a great cameo in the beginning of the movie during Life's a Happy Song that appears in the town square people that we've probably seen in person multiple times that's right the disneyland band shows up the marching band in the town is the disneyland band and i thought amazing that they got actual members of the disneyland band to be in the movie no matter how many times i go to the park by the way uh we always find ourselves stopping and watching the disneyland band every time every single time it's always a joy and uh my favorite is the the lion king medley uh that high note Ah, yeah. They hit on Circle of Life every time that trumpet high note. I'm like, mm, this is mm, there this it is, is baby. Show. That's the thing I wait for. Yeah. That's the thing I wait for. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of callbacks to the movies. Uh, there's numerous uh, items from The Muppet Show, including like uh, lunchboxes and stuff like that. There's uh, photos of Kermit with various Muppet Show guests, including Florence Henderson in the movie. There's a lot of audio clips. They actually watch parts of the, tel- the, the Muppet Show. And uh, there's references to the Muppet movie. Uh, the standard rich and famous contract is seen, and it's used as an actual plot point. Uh, when asked how they find the Muppets, Kermit says, didn't you see our first movie? We drive. Uh, which, <laughs> which uh, you know, a standing Muppet tradition of breaking the fourth wall, yes. uh, which we're big fans of. Gonzo and Camilla return to a career in plumbing, which was their original mm-hmm. uh, vocation. That's right. Madman Mooney makes a reappearance, now renamed Madman Mooney's and Son. 
Sweetums is shown working there again and once again forced to chase after the gang's car. Uh, the rainbow connection is sung. Piggy's entrance during the song in a rowboat references Bernie the Agent's appearance in the original movie coming up to Kermit in order to ask him, you know, if he wants to be a star. Uh, references to Muppet Take Manhattan, including Kermit and Piggy's wedding. Uh, Tex Richmond reads a magazine that the Muppets have gotten together again. Uncle Deadly and Bobo begin singing together again. Uh, <laughs> later, Walter plays a few notes from it on a backstage piano. Uh, references to the Muppet Babies include a lunchbox. References to Muppets in Space includes a DVD on the Gary on Gary and Walter's TV. So we get a lot of references. Uh, but the big thing they also did was the promotion for this movie. They had numerous fake teaser trailers for fake movies, including Green with Envy, which was a romantic comedy, I think it was, or just a romance film. A romance, yeah. Yeah, where the Muppets would interrupt and be like, What is going on? I definitely recall these. They were they were yeah. going hard with these with these parody trailers. Yeah, the Fuzzy Pack, which was a hangover part two uh Meanwhile, the Fuzzy Pack would go on to be a better movie than the actual Hunger Part Two. Oh, definitely, yeah. most definitely, and uh, this just absolutely, you know, uh, stomped all over Hangover Part Three. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a prison scene with Wanda Sykes and Danny Trejo in that trailer. It's uh, it's not known whether or not that was the actual cameo for the movie. Uh, and there was also a teaser trailer for the Green Lantern, uh, where uh, it was actually just for the movie. Mm-hmm. But they they just made it seem like the Green Lantern trailer, basically, including like the darkest day and darkest night, the the speech and then everything like that. Uh, up until this point, the movies Green with Envy and Fuzzy Pack actually had their own Facebook pages and Twitter f- Twitter pages just to really. We have to look up if they still exist. We yeah. have to, they maybe they've mutated it to some other Muppet, um, yeah, Muppet property. It was this where they started uh, really making fun of themselves because in the trailer Gary says which was played by Jason Siegel says wait wait stop is this another Muppet trailer parody why don't we just show the real trailer what are we hiding did we make the movie in Swedish or something and the trailer ends not in Swedish Uh, (laughs) and of course this also goes into like uh, they did this with the Muppet Steak Manhattan where there was like this big action packed trailer and then Kermit and Piggy showed up at the very, very end of the trailer. Yeah. So this is something that they had been doing for a little while now. They released one for Pig with the Froggy Tattoo to coincide with the release of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yes, because if there's anything kids love, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, very, it's dark uh, Swedish uh, you know. films about sexual assault. Right. Uh, <laughs> kids love. Uh, there was also a final one that that parried all the trailers we had seen before, plus Paranormal Activity 3, Puss in Boots, Happy Feet 2, and Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn. In case you were curious what year this movie came out, <laughs> that was very specific. I just, I, I, Paul, if you don't remember Puss in Boots Fever, then where were you in 2011? Yeah. You know? uh, the Muppets is also the Muppets' first ever Academy Award winning film. Bringing home the trophy for Brett McKenzie's Man or Muppet is the highest grossing Muppet film, not accounting for inflation which still belongs to the original Muppet movie um, Cody I love this movie and I love Man or a Muppet but I do feel like this is when uh, Aerosmith's first number one hit was uh, I don't want to miss a thing yeah. <laughs> this, where I'm kind of like okay I get it but I really feel like maybe like a dream on 
or right. a walk this way could have could have really uh, been the first one to do this. Oh yeah, this is the these, this is the makeup Oscar. You know, this is uh, this is Ray Charles winning album of the year for a duets album released in Starbucks. It's like, hey, he passed away. We get it. We want to honor him. But, um, you know, there was a, oh, I don't know, 50 years of material that could have won instead and you didn't give it to him. Uh, this yeah. is essentially that. Um, yeah. Much so, uh, like, much yeah. like uh, a lot of I, I find myself always liking a different movie, a different song, excuse me, than the ones that they nominate. Oh, movies like this. Always like for me. Uh, Pictures in my head is my favorite song from this from this movie. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say if uh, the other one, I mean, "Life's a Happy Song" is the one that would strike yeah. me as the one that would get nominated. But although "Man or Muppet" is is really a funny song, yeah, yeah. I love it so much, so so much. Is but, there more I could have said? <laughs> very nice. Uh, I believe now uh, there are only pictures in my head. We looked this up. This was nominated with one other song. There were literally yeah, what two the nominees. World? Uh, what other movies were nominated in 2011? Was oh wait a minute, was this the artist year? Is that what this was? Was this the year that the artist won Best Picture? And we were all like, oh man, what a classic! And um, haven't thought about it since. Let me take a look. I'll yeah, tell you right now. I'm looking right yep, now. Yep, the artist. Too. Oh boy, what were we thinking as a culture? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you this right it now. Like Just swept. Just looking at this, um, this was not beats, a great year. I'm sorry, The Descendants is an amazing movie. The Descendants is the better movie. I mean, and you could argue The Tree of Life, um, Midnight in Paris. I that's a great movie. Hugo was a great movie. Loved Hugo. Uh, Moneyball. I think Moneyball's a great movie. Moneyball's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is um, not good. Yeah. The, of those of those choices, The Descendants is my pick. Just watched it recently uh, for the first time in a long time, and man, it's good. Man, what a good movie! He the also, Descendants uh, is the Cooley saddest movie. Descendants is the saddest movie I can rewatch over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Something about it, the way it's paced. It's also because is, it's in Hawaii, so it looks beautiful, and the music is great, and it just yeah. But I just yeah, the music right. is great. Yeah. Uh, but you know who did win? Uh, was uh, excuse me, the writing, yes. which was uh, Jim Rash. Yes, the Dean. The Dean, uh, <laughs> but he also wrote uh, one of my favorite. Oh no, yeah, because it's an adaptive yeah. screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him and Nat Faxon wrote it along with Alexander Payne. Jim Rash and Nat Faxon would also write one of my other favorite movies, which is The Way Way Back. Very good movie. Very yes. good coming of age. Uh, but enough about the 2011 Academy Awards. One of the weirder Academy Awards. Now looking back at it, what were we doing? We're giving Jean Dujardin, thinking, ah, oh, yes, here he is, the next big star when. Uh, yeah, literally the performance of George Clooney's lifetime, but uh, I digress. Let's talk about bits again, shall we? And let's talk about this movie as we begin in Small Town, USA. That's where we meet Walter and his brother Gary, played by Jason Siegel, and they are inseparable. We see how the two grew up together as Walter tells the tale of the two of them growing up in Small Town and how Walter has always been uh, something of an outsider. Uh, they go to the carnival, and he's too short to ride the rides, and his brother says, come on, let's get out of here, let's go rent a movie. And that is the night his life changes forever. He and Gary rent a video of The Muppet Show, and Walter becomes their number one fan. And you see 
all throughout the years that how much he loves the Muppets, buys all of their stuff. One Halloween, he's dressed as Kermit. The kids make fun of him, saying, what is this, 1978? Uh, and uh, But they still connect and, and, and bond over the Muppets. And we fast forward years later. And after a strange dream Walter has where he meets all of the Muppets as they step out of his television, he and Gary get ready to drive to L.A. for a big trip uh, with Mary, Gary's girlfriend of 10 years, played by Amy Adams. Uh, Amy Adams, by the way, I will say this again and again, anytime she's brought up in this and we're going to talk about at least one more movie with her. Um, fantastic musical actress. I wish she did more of these. I also kind of get it because what a year later she goes from, oh, look at she's done some nice Disney musicals to like she's in an Oscar nominated role every single year, like yeah. every year. And she's always great. And um, I'm a little surprised she hasn't won yet, by the way. That's that seems like a huge uh, that looks like we've been overlooked. She's been overlooked far too many times. But anyway, should be in more musicals. She's fantastic. Walter is ecstatic because this trip is his chance to finally see the legendary Muppet Studios and life couldn't be more perfect. And of course, they break out into our first song. Life's a happy song. Wonderful little ditty. Uh, just so full of joy and life and all of the great little moments in the town square. Uh, I believe that we've determined this town square is the one on the Warner Brothers lot. Um, mm -hmm. if, yeah, that's the one. Uh, which again... I will say, if you go on that Warner Brothers tour, say, speed it up. We get it. Some show on Freeform is is filmed here. Another show on CW is filmed here. Let's move along. Isn't a Desperate Housewives film there? Right. Again, hasn't been on the air in 10 years. Move it along. Gilmore Girls. Let's go. Move it along. Let me see the Batmobiles now. The house where move Ross is. along. Uh... The house where Ross's heart gets broken when he where sees Rachel go to prom. Did with, uh, George her Clooney rest those bat nipples? Need to see it. Move it along. Uh, hey, Moving life's right a fillet of fish. Yes, it is. Thank you. Great line. Uh, Great line. Yeah, life's a happy song when there's somebody by your side to sing along. Great song, great, great fun. Lots of fun little lines, like you said. The whole like life's a bunch of flowers, life's a fillet of fish. Hey, yes, it is. Uh, only thing I would have made that better is if it was like Lou Zealand singing that. Uh, yeah. Lou Zealand, who has the more we've gone on, the more I've realized, boy, maybe I should have put him in the bracket. <laughs> I love his chaotic energy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and there's a couple great moments, uh, including my favorite part is the break in between. He walks into the he walks into the uh, the school like right in front of me. Yeah. Great. And then uh, the kids are bummed. Cause first, she's teaching them how to put back together a car engine yes. uh, in, in class. <laughs> um, and then the kids are disappointed because spring break's coming. And they, damn it, they want homework. Oh. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a great little moment. And then he leaves, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm, thanks for you know. I'm so glad that Walter's going with us on our on our honey on our not our their honeymoon on our ten year anniversary. Trip. On our ten year anniversary, she's like, yeah, you know, well as long as we are together on the day of our anniversary." Remember our anniversary that. dinner. That's a big plot point for the rest of the movie. Remember that. Yes. Uh, and then after he leaves, she has a little her little uh, her little sad break mm -hmm. where she's fully in. She's really hamming it up and looking out the window. I love the gag with the the rain hitting the window and it's the the, oh, garden yeah, the guy just spraying the windows. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, that's why Amy Adams is great, is that she is, uh, yeah, she can be fantastic in Academy Award-nominated roles, and she totally understands the world of the Muppets when she is occupying that universe 
and just yeah, gets... she hits a wonderful high note. Yes, yeah, she does. She's a great singer. She's great. She should be in more musicals. She's yeah. really, really good. Uh, yeah, this is great. Uh, also, uh, I want to. I, I wish I had gone to the school where spring break was two weeks long. I know, huh? What's that all about? Huh? Damn. Lucky. Anyway. So yes, they are on their way to Los Angeles. Uh, of course, Mary hopes that uh, Gary will finally pop the question on their big trip. And at the end of the song, we see a couple He'll of cameos. He'll get down on his knees. There you go. Say, marry me. Me. Beautiful. Beautiful <laughs> yeah, recreation. Uh, we get our first of many cameos. The singer Feist, who um, since that song on the iPod commercial, haven't really heard much from her. But uh, hey, it was a fun song. And uh, the musical legend, Mickey Rooney, in what may be his final film role. I'm not totally sure on that, but I think... Well, there's someone right. by your side to sing. <laughs> very, <laughs> very, very good. Uh, as the bus takes them to La La Land, all of the dancing townsfolk, along with the Disneyland band, uh, finally drop from exhaustion as uh, they are finally gone and we're off to Hollywood. They arrive on their first stop, and that is the Muppet Studios. Unfortunately, this studio is now run down, decrepit, and mostly abandoned. Uh, they do see that Muppet, the, the, the original Muppet Theater, which I believe is the El Capitan Theater in downtown in Hollywood, uh, owned by Disney. Uh, and then, is this the actual Muppet Studio? And they it's uh, Jim Henson some... Studios. Yeah. Okay, and they they CGI they CGI the Muppet Studio sign on top. Yeah. Normally, there's a there's a nice little uh, like a Kermit statue at the top of the fence mm-hmm. that you see, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it, it's 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 not right next to the Capitan Theater. It's like a few right. blocks away. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and yeah, I, I like that they actually filmed it there because I thought that was a nice touch to actually use the real Henson Studios to do that. Absolutely, it is. So they do this studio tour, and it's led by a very enthusiastic, uh, very enthusiastic tour guide played by Alan Arkin. Is uh, this Universal Studios? Yeah, that was the best. The tourists who are like, "Is this Universal Studios?" Yes, it is. As he just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, and uh, at this point, th- this is the first indication to Walter that this might not be all in the up and up. <laughs> right, things are maybe not the best right now when it comes to the standing of the Muppets. As oh, you should really. This is Kermit's office. It's the highlight of the tour. Really, you should see it sometime. Now. Onto what does he say? Like the rope He's like room, the lighting and the electric, the electricity room, or something, the yeah. electricity room, or something. The like rope that. room. He's like where we can see all kinds of rope. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> so yes, he's unenthusiastically showing them all the sites that aren't closed. They pass Kermit's office. Walter decides to sneak in for a closer look. When he steps into the office, he's overwhelmed by all the history he sees and his hero in his hero's former place of work. All those pictures on the wall. You see the one with him and Jim Henson. Uh, all the pictures of the former guests. While he's browsing, though, the wealthy oil baron played or named Tex Richmond, played by Chris Cooper and his henchman Bobo the Bear and Uncle Deadly, walk in for a meeting with Statler and Waldorf as Walter hides under the table. Really great of Bill Maher to to reprise his role as Deadly. Thank you. And this. <laughs> Look at him side by side, folks. I'm telling you. Have you seen him in the same room? I don't think we have. I don't think we have. I mean, don't get me wrong. One of them is decrepit. Yeah, his name Paul. Is, one of them is decrepit, deadly. You know, he's he's kind of a piece of shit. And the other one's a, a Muppet. So it's kind of like, 
You knew where that was going, Cody, but yeah, I, 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 was I got say, it out This is anyway. all a really low blow. You know, uh, Uncle Deadly has done a lot to, uh, has done a lot of fantastic work, and I, I think he deserves a little oh. better than to be compared to Bill Maher, okay? Well, yeah, one of them has brought joy to thousands of people on television, uh, millions of people, excuse me, and the other one's Bill Maher. Right. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> one of them's entertaining on on numerous television studios. The other one is Bill Maher. How Still? many times are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. Still my favorite cell phone is uh, when when people who, uh, not to get too political here, but when people on the right are like, oh, your beloved Bill Maher. I'm like, who said that? Yeah. No one likes him. Keep thinking that. Keep thinking that everyone loves him because no one does. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the crotchety old Muppets are there to hand over the standard rich and famous contract that Kermit and the gang signed in the original Muppet movie that is set to expire in just two weeks time. Of course, I do like the whole like, who are we telling this to? Uh, and like, uh, uh, There's a whole Settler and Waldorf uh, exchange there. That's wonderful. Um, the land will go to Tex, uh, who plans to dig for oil uh, sitting underneath if the Muppets cannot raise $10 million in those two weeks to keep the studios. And our first of many maniacal laughs ensue. One of my favorite recurring bits. Just the way Chris Cooper says it's a maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Uh, It's great stuff. Also, uh, the uh, Bobo, very, like, uh, understated saying, oh, yes, uh, geriatric humor. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, Also makes me laugh a lot. Walter overhears everything and is in complete shock, literally screaming for the rest of the day until they get back to their hotel room. It's really funny. And also just like the way his face contorts every once in a while, like every time they cut to him, his face kind of contorts a little bit differently is really funny to me. Uh, Walter eventually tells Gary and Mary what's going on uh, the next day. Uh, and then what's going to happen to the studio and urges them that they need to find Kermit and tell him. I also like that he's like, uh, we're going to take them up at studio, see? We're gonna, they're going to need $10 million, see? And then uh, Amy Adams goes, people still talk like that? Like, <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, they pass some maps to the stars, and Walter gets a brilliant idea. Stop from some chili dogs. And then they go to find uh, Kermit. After searching all day and on the brink of giving up, they realize that uh, they Mary actually realizes that they're right in front of Kermit's house the whole time. You could tell by the big gate that has Kermit and Piggy's face on it. Who would have thunk? Walter tells Gary to throw him over the gate, despite the fact that it looks like there's an electric fence. And of course, he gets electrocuted when he is tossed over. But as luck would have it, Kermit arrives and comes walking towards the gate as he makes a some, something of an angelic entrance with the lights uh, behind him and a choir, uh, a bus with a choir driving right by. Uh, Walter passes out at the sight of Kermit, and when he awakes, he, Gary, and Mary are in Kermit's house, and he passes out again. The three of them tell Kermit about Tex Richmond's plan as 80s Robot offers up some 80s soda to the guests. Uh, great addition, 80s Robot, by the yes. way. Uh, just love that he's the 80s Robot offers some tab and some new Coke. Good stuff. Kermit realizes that the only way they could come up with the money needed to save the studio would be to put on a show. But the gang hasn't seen each other in years. So Kermit then reminisces about all the good times he has had with all the Muppet gang through the years. And that's where we get your favorite song, Paul, Pictures in My Head. Uh, A very heartfelt and, um, yeah, a very uh, melancholy Muppet tune. 
which you know what uh they do this very well with these sort of uh, these much much more uh understated melancholy tunes like this and uh i want to go back there someday and the original muppet movie uh very much in the same vein uh with this song no i i really enjoy the song i feel like um it is great. It starts off. It has a really good musical vibe to it. It starts off really like melancholy and slow, and then the whole band kicks in. I love that. This song is positively, absolutely bringing me down. Yeah, and then, great. I, you know, he comes in. Doo, 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 doo. It, just so great. Um, I love the ending to it. It ends big, and then it comes back down, brings it back down to Kermit at the end. Uh, again, melancholy. I, I thought it was a really well done, and I really love the. Uh, the way they do the, the 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 video of it, where like I love that the the pictures actually come out three D. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I, I love the way they do all the pictures coming to life and everything. It's it's yeah. wonderful. It's great. He gets that he all those that rush of great memories in his head, and that's when uh, Kermit is inspired and decides that he should get the gang back together. So as he says, how do we do it? We, if you watched our first movie, we drive. They hop in the car, uh, and they set off as a eighties robot finds out that Fozzie has is in Reno. Uh, R-E-N-O. That spells R- Reno. <laughs> Performing with the Muppets cover band called The Moopits. Uh, of course, it is in uh, Reno, but in a very rundown casino uh, just outside of Reno. Yeah, filmed at uh, Boomtown, the actual uh, casino in Reno, which my go. parents have brought me to when I was a kid. Boom, there you go. Sweet. Boomtown. Boomtown, Reno. And uh, we enter... The what is it, the Pachula Casino is what it's called, yes. uh, and we hear this sort of deranged version of Rainbow Connection, uh, literally called Rainbow Connection Muppets version. Yes. Fozzie, alongside with some off-brand Muppets, including a cameo by Dave Grohl as David Animal. Grohl. David Grohl, excuse me, <laughs> that's what he likes to go by now. Uh, playing Animal, uh, they play this this version of the song which also really is just an advertisement for the this depressing and half-empty Pachula Casino. Uh, as Fozzie gets off the stage, Kermit approaches him. I love the way how he's just like, hey, Fozzie. Oh, hey, Kermit. And uh, immediately Fozzie realizes who it is and is excited to see them. So uh, they go out to talk. They go out to his dressing room, which is literally just in an alley outside. Uh, and Fozzie says that he can't leave this great gig. Uh, which then, of course, the rain then starts uh, starts raining on his dressing room, and then Miss Poogie, yes, uh, Miss Poogie, remember her? She comes back, uh, threatens to get threatens him to get him back on stage, uh, and that's where he's like, "Okay, yes, please take me." Uh, this is yeah, of course, Miss Poogie, uh, probably someone who uh, you don't you don't want to mess with. Probably uh, many times has had his life threatened by Miss Poogie, and uh, yes. yeah. Haven't we all? So, yes, Fozzie agrees to go. And the next stop, the gang head to Gonzo's Royal Flush Toilet Factory. As we mentioned, Gonzo goes back into that career in plumbing and actually seems to be the most successful of all the Muppets post-entertainment. They go into the factory, and uh, I do like that Gonzo's like, yes, yeah, sit on the, these thrones. And then uh, Mary's like, I'm good. Uh, these very nice toilets. Uh, Gonzo gives them 30 seconds to tell them why they're there, but time runs out as uh, Fozzie the whole time is trying to say, Rich Oil, Rich Oil Salesman, like uh, the whole time distracting Kermit, can't get it out. And uh, Gonzo decides that he has to get back to his very, very successful business. But 
Walter then tells Gonzo on the way out how much he loved him reciting Hamlet while jumping through uh, a flaming hoop on a motorcycle. And that's where Gonzo reflects a little bit and Camilla convinces him to join them. Uh, as Gonzo was playing the long con, after all, this is also one of my favorite scenes where he just rips off the suit. He's like, I've been wearing this underneath my suit for years. Uh, and then promptly uh, gets his button that blows up the, the self-destructs the entire toilet factory. <laughs> also love the bit where they they run away like, wow, that was a really expensive explosion that we then see off screen. There, there's a joke he says in it, too, where he goes like, uh, the waterless toilet. Keep trying. I don't care how messy it gets, or something like that. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> That's funny. also IMDb. They list a plot hole, uh, saying Gonzo could have sold the f- the highly successful factory and had the money to purchase the thing. In which I say, you are missing the point of a Muppets movie. <laughs> I was gonna say you've missed the point of Gonzo. <laughs> Yes. That is not the point. He could have. He absolutely could have sold his business and they would have enough money. But that would have been totally out of character for Gonzo to do, to make a sound decision like that. Gonzo Gonzo treats his, his places of employment the same way I do. Burn it to the ground. Burn all those bridges, baby. Let's just... <laughs> Paul, are you suggesting that if you could, at the end of every job, if you had a self-destruct button, that's how you would walk out? I definitely would have done it at Sports Authority. I hated that job. <laughs> Damn, shots fired to uh, the good people at Sports Authority. <laughs> oh, you don't need to sh- shoot fire. They're already they're already bankrupt. They're gone. Fair enough. That's yeah. oh yeah, that's true. They're gone. So uh, yeah. yeah, say what you will. Yeah. Next, the Muppets arrive at a uh, anger man- management session uh, where everyone is trying to find their center. Their Zen. And that's where they find Animal, who has finally learned to let go of drumming and has found peace. Or seems like he has, maybe a little disgruntled. The Muppets arrive to disrib- disrupt that peace, much to the anger of Jack Black. <laughs> Jack Black is delightful in this movie. It's so ridiculous. Uh, where he's just like, hey man, just just so angry in for, for Animal. It's so, so funny to me. Uh, their teacher, played by Christian Shaw, also uh, angry at the disruption. But then, uh, what, does Jack Black, he starts beating them up, even starts punching before even drumming is mentioned or anything, right? No, or goes, maybe just uh, after it's mentioned. Because he says, like, oh, drumming is like his... Uh, his trigger his, word. His trigger word. And then he goes, like, telling me to calm down is my trigger! And then he starts yeah, punching right. people. That's right. <laughs> that's when, yeah, complete... Brouhaha ensues after that. Uh, just a chain reaction of the entire group starting to brawl. That gives Animal and the Muppets time to bolt out of there. So Animal has now joined the crew. 80s Robot suggests that they do a montage to gather up the rest of the gang. So we see our favorites like Beaker and Honeydew, uh, who are what? They're working at a, uh, what do you call that? Like uh, Adam, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Those big uh, underground tubes where they're smashing atoms together. And uh, yeah, anyway, it's not like a really <laughs> stupid person right now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking they about? Got one, they got one in the, the, up the road here in, in the Bay Area on 280, right by Stanford. Uh, where they're, you know, they're like, they're like smashing atoms together. A particle, uh, you know. Accelerator? What? Sure. Let's go with that. Uh, Hadron Collider? <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds, that sounds more, more apt. Uh, they're doing that. Uh, 
the Electric Mayhem are performing at a subway station. Scooter seems to be working for Google at some high up position. Uh, and I'm assuming Sam Eagle is a Fox News personality. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's the best. Of course, the most exciting part uh, of all this was recruiting Rolf, who agreed to join the gang while napping in a hammock. Hey, didn't tell him my story. Classic. Classic. Last but not least is Piggy. Piggy is working for Vogue in Paris. So naturally, they drive all they they travel a la Indiana Jones by map in a map yes. montage and then drive out of the water over to Paris. When they arrive at Piggy's office, they have trouble getting through her tough sec- secretary played by Emily Blunt, who says that Piggy's schedule isn't free until September. So the Muppets decide to go with one of their tr- classic tricks to get in. Muppet Man can't believe I fell from Muppet Man. <laughs> it works. They get past Piggy's secretary and meet Piggy, who is uh, busy eating donuts. The Muppets fumble around before eventually falling and revealing the true identity. And as you mentioned, Piggy upset that she fell for Muppet Man. But once she sees, sees Kermit, everything changes. At first, she's overwhelmed by the sight of him, but calms herself and tells him that she wouldn't fall for him again like that. She asks to talk to Kermit alone before agreeing to go any further. So the two go out that night in Paris. They try to make up, but she says she has a life in Paris now and has given up that entertainment lifestyle, and she doesn't want to leave. So Kermit returns to the car, informs the gang that Piggy won't be joining them. But they still need that singing pig, because like any good entertainment uh, group or uh, troupe, you need a singing pig. Every single great mm-hmm. one has it, you know? Exactly. Every single one. Uh, the days of vaudeville, you were you were laughed off the stage if you did not have a singing pig. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so before they head back to Hollywood, they pick up Miss Poogie to round out the game. <laughs> With her uh, butterfly knife. That's right. That's right. Then they go off and uh, to other studios. They try to pitch the show to several networks, are turned away each time. I do like when they're at, I think it's uh, at uh, Telemundo. And then they're all like, oh, yes, we got it. But they just don't understand Spanish. They're like, no, we're not picking up your show. <laughs> Eventually, they meet with a television executive played by Rashida Jones, who informs them that the Muppets just aren't relevant anymore with a uh, very... Uh, uh, upsetting graph where they are way way off the popularity scale and uh she says that what audience want today is a show like punch teacher uh, which is hosted by ken jong where you literally just punch your teacher moments later an assistant played by donald glover bursts in to tell her that punch teacher has been abruptly canceled leaving a two-hour block in two days that the muppets can occupy as long as they get a celebrity host Meanwhile, Tex Richmond finds out that the Muppets are attempting to come back together to save the studio, so he devises a new plot to stop them before even more maniacal laughter. Maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh. Kermit enters the old studio and has a rush of memories about the good old days where you hear all of the, you know, like pigs in space and you hear all of these callbacks uh, to the Muppet days of yore. Uh, But the studio is a mess. Uh, and so Walter says, hey, how else do we do this? Let's do a montage. Let's do what the Muppets do best. So they sing We Built This City as they clean up the entire studio. Um, and I do love the bit during this whole part. Kermit attempting to call celebrities that are on his Rolodex. He calls Jimmy Carter. 
boy wonderful that's that's that might be my favorite one of like hmm what are kids gonna like in 2011 former president jimmy carter <laughs> love it so quaint it is shout out to jimmy carter uh well i think he just turned 96 the other day yep still building habitat for humanity ha- good homes. for him literally maybe the only former president who was like hey what a genuinely good person this guy is for real yeah good for him good for him the studio looks to be in tip-top shape after that montage, so Mary asks Gary uh, if the two can go out and sightsee, uh, just the two of them. Uh, but Gary doesn't want to leave Walter alone before the big day. Uh, but Walter also seems to be finally fitting in with the Muppet crew, and Kermit thanks him for getting them all back together. And this is the first hint that... Uh, in the beginning, we're kind of led to believe that Walter is super codependent on Gary. Uh, but at this point... It's starting uh, that it's that it's much more mutual codependency than anything else. Oh, totally is. Totally is. I think Walter really is like, I can't let him. I can't, you know, can't just let him go and spread his wings and fly. He he's he has a hard time doing that here. But clearly, it's finally Walter finally starting to fit in with the new group. The next day at the studio, it's pig versus pig. Miss Piggy has arrived to reclaim her spot with the Muppets. And uh, it's it's on between her and Miss Poogie. <laughs> uh, luckily, she snatches her spot back from Poogie. Uh, but I think even she walks off and says, this is not the last you'll see of her. Uh, Piggy informs Kermit that she's just here for the show. And then she will be back off to Paris. Uh, Veronica, our television executive from the network, arrives to see how the show is progressing. And things are a complete disaster. The timing's all off since Animal still won't play his drums uh, as they're trying to do that Muppet Show theme song and Animal just won't play the drums yet. Can't do it. Kermit tells Walter that uh, he's going to be giving him a part in the show, but Walter tells Kermit that he still feels like an outsider since he hasn't found his talent, but he is is assured by the frog that uh, he will find it in time. Meanwhile, Mary is off on her own in Los Angeles, Uh, trying to have some sort of good time partying all by herself at a nearby restaurant. One of my uh, very favorite moments in this entire movie (laughs) is the song Me Party. Um, Yes. It's just delightful. Uh, Also, we see Sarah Silverman sit uh, her down uh, for a table of one. Um, One? That's sad. (laughs) Do you want like a magazine? (laughs) That's right. This is uh, the most, of course, Brett McKenzie, uh, James Bobin, uh, uh, Brett McKenzie, part of the Flight of the Concords, James Bobin, directed many of the episodes. This song, more than any of the other ones, I think. Oh, disagree. What? Tex Richmond? I'm Tex oh, yeah, Richmond, yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Texas T. The Tex Richmond rap that we'll be Because I got more money. <laughs> that part is like, that it's is... like Brett McKenzie literally put a puppet of Chris Cooper and made him speak. <laughs> Uh, can I get a Chris Cooper Muppet now? I need that. In there my you life. go. Uh, okay. The second most yeah, uh, Flight of the Concords feeling song in this movie. But it totally has that vibe of you could have plucked this right out of a Flight of the Concords episode. Um, you could see like Jermaine singing this song. Totally. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Uh, of course, you also have Piggy who is talking about not going to, you know, she's she's an independent pig now and not going to. Uh, rely on Kermit or or anything like that. She's um, also having a me party. Exactly. She is also having a me party in the dressing room. Um, yeah, 
just such a funny little quick hit, you know, uh, bite-sized song, but super funny and memorable. And uh, I just love the end of it with Amy Adams saying, what happens at a me party stays at a me party. We also have a, a little cameo from some not super known Muppets, the singing food. Yes. Who do uh, a Swedish chef, I believe they would uh, they would be uh, in part of some of those Swedish chef skits in the Muppet yeah. show. They show up uh, here in the in the restaurant. That's right. So go, we head back to rehearsal and Kermit uh, is trying to get Piggy back on stage to practice their duet. But, of course, that's when she tells him that she'll be doing the number with her new dance partner as we see Pepe, the King Prawn, in his one role in this. Is that it? Like, he doesn't show up ever again in the rest of the movie. He just is like, hello, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> I love him so much. Pepe's so ridiculous. Uh, great character that has been given new life on the Muppets now. Uh, Veronica checks in again with the show, now just 12 hours away. And Kermit tells her that uh, there's still no host. But he does suggest that he could host, which uh, she laughs off and rejects almost immediately. Yeah. So now they're left without much hope. So Kermit goes off to visit Tex Richmond to try to work out a deal, maybe even get an extension. And... Uh, <laughs> That's, of course, when Tex answers the question with a rap. Yes. And uh, my goodness, uh, I'm not sure, Paul. The, that the part that's so absolutely Brett McKenzie is when he goes, because I got more money. I'm like, that is, that is so Brett McKenzie. I'm like, come on. I, I, I'm, I am. No, I, I shouldn't say I'm shocked that Chris Cooper was game for this. I, I'm not at all shocked by that. Um, but man. It's I, I don't think there are very many things in the world that bring me as much joy as, as hearing Chris Cooper rap and doing it so like wholeheartedly. He's all in on it. It's it's wonderful. It's it's so much. It's so much fun. I also love that he has the he opens the door of the, the backup singers and dancers. And they're just like fine. They're just like, uh-huh. Yeah. OK, this is happening, I guess. Everything so this is a. Uh... You want to hear Chris Cooper's comment on this musical number? Please. I get to do a hip-hop number. I love that he calls it a hip-hop number, by Hell the way. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, I had a ball. We rehearsed it with Michael Rooney, Mickey Rooney's son, the choreographer. Real? Wait, hold up. Michael Mickey, Rooney is Mickey a choreographer. Mickey Rooney's son is the choreographer in this movie? Yep. Wow. Did not know that. Fantastic. I have really cute dancers in 60s Vegas costumes with me. Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords wrote the music, and I cut a working track to do the scene. I get to go back in the recording studio to clean up the track. We spent hours in the studio giving this number a few text personal touches. Wonderful. It's so wonderful. The song, by the way, called Let's Talk About Me is uh, the name yes. of, of the rap song. And it's a joy. And uh, I think I need more musicals with Chris Cooper rapping is I think what I need. It also gives me the feeling of like when in the eighties it was like, oh, this rap thing is gonna be around here for a while, isn't it? So you just had like, you know, Rodney Dangerfield releasing a rap album. It feels very much in the same vein of like what they're going for here. And it totally As one works. of our favorites loves the uh the Tom Jones rap. Exactly. The Tom it's it's very much in the same vein of like uh, back then they didn't realize how stupid they were being whereas this is totally like we totally get what we're doing here. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, all of that just to say the answer is no. 
He informs them that not only does he get the Muppets studio if they can't get the money in time, but the rights to the Muppets name as well, which he will be stowing on his new friends, the Muppets, who now have a new new friend in the Muppets. Uh, I would assume he's called Foozy Bear. I just love the way he's like, waka waka. Yeah, <laughs> <So> waka waka. <laughs> As they step outside of uh, the of uh, the Tex Richmond's office, Kermit says that it's hopeless. He apologizes to everyone as he heads off on his own. Piggy then rallies the entire Muppet crew together to try to get a celebrity host by any means necessary. We go back to Gary and Mary as Gary heads back to the hotel with Mary waiting for him all alone. Uh, as she waits for him to do something nice, as today is indeed their 10th anniversary, but he doesn't remember, so she storms out. Back at the studio, Walter and Gary argue about why they came to L.A. in the first place, and, and Gary finally realizes the gigantic mistake he's made when he remembers it that it is he and Mary's anniversary as he bolts out and goes to get her back at Small Town. Meanwhile... The Muppets are on a mission to kidnap Jack Black. <laughs> oh, they do so successfully thanks to, of course, it's Piggy leading the way, so it's got to be a kung fu montage. Everything about this scene is insanely silly. Kung fu montage, Swedish chef doing ki flying ki karate kicks, and Jack Black the entire time wearing a goofy motion capture suit as he yells, "I, I can't, I haven't put my all my balls on yet." Great stuff. Great stuff by everyone involved. Academy Award winning, uh, deserving sort of stuff, you know? Great stuff. Yeah. Gary heads back to the hotel, uh, but Mary has already headed back home and left a note asking simply, is he a man or is he a Muppet? As we get the song, the Academy Award winning song, Man or Muppet. It really is a great scene. It really, really is. A really funny and everything about it's great. I feel like that they, they go like a couple in a row where, you know, Chris Cooper, like the first time you see it and he starts rapping, you're like immediately like thrown. You're like, whoa, like what the hell's going on right now? <laughs> um, and I feel like this one has the same thing when we see Jim Parsons show up as. Oh, totally. As a human Walter. Yeah. yeah. And at this point, Big Bang Theory is like fully in stride. Oh, yeah. So like people, even if you don't watch Big Bang Theory, which I don't. I know who Jim Parsons is. Yeah. And it's like, so seeing him show up out of nowhere, like, oh, he's like the, the man version of Walter is so funny. It is really funny when he shows up. Uh, and also spot on. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, that is a human Walter there, isn't it? Uh, every, yeah. Everything about this is so funny. One, it's a great song. And two, just the little breakdown, too, whether at the do the, the piano side by side. <laughs> Where you got the Jason Siegel yeah. Muppet Man? Oh my God, it's so funny. They gifted him the uh, the puppet after the production was over, as they should. Yeah, uh, I my favorite part is uh, is Jason Siegel doubled over in the rain, just am I a Muppet Man? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Muppet Man. It's yeah. so funny. It's it, again, it captures. I think it's good too because it again, it has the feel of like a silly Flight of the Concords number. But also, there is heart to this song. Like, there really is some, like, actual heart and emotion to back all this up. No, if these lyrics were completely different, you could easily slot this into an actual serious musical. Yes. And, like, and, and, and make a strong ballad out of it. It's just that it's, you know, he's saying, am I a Muppet or a very manly Muppet? Or it's just, it's so silly. But, yeah, it's it's legitimately, like, 
it, it's a great it's a great moment both of them figure out exactly where they need to be at the end that walter is indeed uh with the muppets and that gary needs to go off to the love of his life and and uh make up to her what what he's done but right in the beginning when he goes like on my reflection oh yeah <laughs> it's so funny there's just little silly moments like that are just so great yeah great moment great song and everything now seems to be both both of them have their their mindset of where they need to be meanwhile the Muppet gang head to Kermit's and say to celebrate the good news they have a celebrity host they captured Jack Black <laughs> This is the best where Kermit's like, what? No, you can't do this. And then, of all people, my good buddy Lou Zealand says, it's okay because celebrities aren't people. Yes. <laughs> of course, it is Lou Zealand way. And then that's where Kermit's like, all right, I guess you're right. All right, let's do it. The show's back on. So they head to the Muppet studio. We're all good to go. The show is about to begin. Um, but the theater has exactly one audience member. That would be Hobo Joe, played by Zach Galifianakis, who's there with a trash can that's got a fire in it. I love that they're just like, oh, you got one guy, and then he's like, oh, everybody always forgets about old Hobo Joe. <laughs> so stupid. I love it. Nevertheless, they kick things off. The Muppets show theme and the telethon is on. Things get off to a bit of a rocky start. Gonzo tries to knock a bowling pin off of Jack Black's head. The ball gets stuck in his hand. But we cut to audiences' homes, and they seem to be loving it and laughing and seem to remember exactly why they love the Muppets in the first place. As the first call comes in for the telethon, and people start to enter the theater. After more Muppet shenanigans, like, I do love the Fozzie's terrible jokes with Jack Black's just like, oh, God, it's so, this is the worst. Like, it's not even funny. And then everyone's just cracking up at his misery. Yeah. The money starts rolling in. Uh, the theater starts to get packed. And then we even get celebrities who come by and like, yeah, I guess we were supposed to be here for something. Uh, like Whoopi Goldberg, Selena Gomez show up to answer phones for the telethon. Kids from uh, Modern Family. That's right. That's right. I do like his line where he's like, are you a Ninja Turtle? Like, yeah. yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, not everything is going as smooth as Walter, still not knowing what to do for his act, gets stage fright and runs through a wall when Scooter tells him that he will be next on stage. But then the Muppets do uh, keep things rolling with a couple of popular songs, as they can only do. Uh, first off, a barbershop quartet version of Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yes. <laughs> the best that Jack Black was like, you're ruining a perfect, you're ruining a classic song. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very funny. And they put the hot towels on his head and then he's got a very small shrunken head. Great stuff. And then Camilla and the Chickens perform CeeLo's hit song, Cluck You. Uh, uh, did you yep. catch it? You like got it? Uh, like it. Uh, you catch it? All right. There you go. All right. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Good night. All right. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, we hear that song uh, as only the chickens can. Uh, wonderful stuff. Wonderful, wonderful performance by chickens. All the while, Tex and his henchmen watch from his mansion. Uh, I believe this is also part, like, <laughs> the part that makes me laugh so much is uh, Tex uh, fencing with Bobo. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> Just like his thing, just like got me again, sir. Yeah, that's so funny to me. Uh, they're watching, they're doing that while the telethon 
is about to start from their vantage point, and they make their way down to the theater to sabotage the event by cutting the electricity. Luckily, Gary and Mary, who have arrived back from small town after while having their romantic anniversary dinner, watching Walter and the Muppets on TV, things don't seem to be going well from, from where they're watching, and they decide that they should head back to L.A. to help. They come back, they save the day, they turn on the backup power so the show can continue. The show rolls along and Kermit wants to make amends with Piggy and the two, and uh, get the two together for a big number. So he hands hosting duties to Scooter. Uh, Scooter, completely nervous, uh, just tells, I think Kermit says something like, oh, just picture that they're all naked. So Scooter then gets on stage and says, hi everyone, you're all naked. Yeah. <laughs> Kermit heads to Piggy's dressing room and sees that she still has tickets to head back to Paris. And he, as he thinks about losing Piggy again, he pulls out half of the wedding photo with him and Piggy, with uh, the picture of Piggy. And uh, Piggy sees over his shoulder and shows him her half of the photo with Kermit. The two make up and they get on stage to perform his signature song one more time. And that is where we get the rainbow connection. Uh, very much uh, sort of bringing back memories of the original song where yeah piggy is now on the boat instead of a uh, dom de louise and uh, they reunite on stage along with the whole muppet crew animal even starts playing the drums he reunites for his drums the rousing finale everything has gone perfectly the muppets are back they're nearly at their goal but because of walter's cut number they are under time but Cody, Cody, you can't speed through this. How great this this revival of the Rainbow Connection is! It is great. Is. It is it, great. The song itself was already perfect, but to take a song to redo it, to make it more full, to bring in all the Muppets to sing along with it, it's 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 goosebump inducing. It's wonderfully done. It is a perfect homage to the original. It's a perfect celebration of Muppets. It is a fantastic moment in all of cinema cody this is what i say <laughs> just the, especially the drum solo there by uh the drum uh, intro by by animal where they're ending the song is so great it gets me riled up and yeah just seeing everybody on stage it is such a like if it wasn't already apparent it's like they're back baby the muppets are back don't forget it but yes they are under time now so Gary does try to convince Walter to go out and do his performance and show the world his talent and not care about what anyone might think. So Walter finally musters the courage to get on stage to show his talent, uh, performing the whistling Caruso. Walter blows the audience away with his impeccable whistling. Uh, it, I, it is such a silly, ridiculous moment of just like, it, it's whistling. It's the- to me, it's it's the worst part of the movie. It's uh, Paul, I'm not a, a couple, fan of the whistling. For, for a couple reasons. One, they couldn't have at least teased a little bit of him whistling earlier in the movie. Him whistling along with yeah, some of the does, songs. It does kind of come out of. Uh, they do it a little bit at the beginning, and, and during like the barely. during the and during the montage of them cleaning up the Muppet Studio, he's whistling. But you're right. But it's it's it's, it's not, definitely not, and it's just really long. It's it's a long scene. Yeah. And too and I long. Do, and I do feel like the focus has shifted. Like, at first it was a story of Walter and Gary getting the Muppets back. But the sh- the focus has totally shifted to the Muppets now. Um, so it does kind of come out of nowhere. It's like, oh, yeah, Walter's going to finish it off. He's going to have the final number. Um, but nonetheless, he blows the audience away with his impeccable whistling. 
And now it just seems like only a formality that the Muppets will hit the $10 million mark. But Tex Richmond once again thwarts them, knocking down an electrical line uh, and stopping the Muppets before midnight as he stumbles into the studio and uh, sees that they have fallen just a dollar short. He revels in victory and Fozzie bumps into the sign and the total amount of money actually turns out uh, they were actually nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand and one dollars short. Yes, I do like Fozzie's like, ah, makes you feel a little bit better, doesn't it? <laughs> it's true. It would. We weren't even close. Yeah. <laughs> Defeated. The Muppets walk out of the theater and to what they think will be the harsh reality of the outside world. But to their surprise, thousands have gathered to greet them. And it looks like no matter what Tex Richmond does, the Muppets are back in business. As we hear a reprise of Life's a Happy Song, uh, everybody so happy to see the Muppets, those thousands of people on the streets of Los Angeles. Everybody, uh, Tex Richmond does get, uh, you know, pushed around a little bit here at the end, despite the fact that he has technically won. That's the weird thing about this is it ends with literally he won. <laughs> and then he kind of uh, like joins with them at the end, yes, doesn't he? Yes. yes, I know. It does change. The credits clarify things. But yeah, it ends with like, hey, you know what? We might have lost, but the Muppets in a way also won because we're all back and we're happy and as the people love together, the Muppets. Cody. As long as they're together. It's kind of a lovely message that they're like, he technically won, but the real winners, the real winners, Paul, were America. They're together again. Because the Muppets are together again. Together again. At the end of the song, Gary finally gets down on one knee to ask Mary for her hand in marriage. And she replies, Paul, with those romantic words, Menomina. As now the credits starts to roll and we get uh, the class, another classic Muppet bit, Menomina. Uh, and we do see Tex yelling at the Muppet saying, yes, what are you celebrating for? I own you now. I own your name. I own the theater. Uh, luckily, the bully ball that's been stuck on Gonzo's hand finally flies off and knocks Tex to the ground and uh, results in him having a sudden change of heart. Uh, not at all related to the head injury that occurs. And he gives the Muppets their name and the theater back as an act of goodwill. And of course, we see all the celebrities doing Menomina and all that. We also see Kermit and Piggy taking some time alone to rekindle their love, something that she has let every single major entertainment outlet no, as they uh, they are all stomping at her door, knocking down her door to get pictures of the new happy couple. So there you have it, the Muppets. Uh, to end our our Muppet month, of course, many more Muppet celebrations to come. Uh, maybe during Christmas time, we will be talking some Muppets. Which mm. um, I wonder which one Treasure yeah. Island. Yeah, Muppet Treasure Island, everyone's favorite Muppet Christmas movie. Exactly. Uh, I think this is it, in the post. Uh, Henson Muppet movie catalog. Where would you put this with Christmas Carol? Because I feel like this and Muppet Christmas Carol are probably the two best of the post. Oh, I really like Muppet Christmas Carol. I really, really like Muppet Christmas Carol. I think I still might rank Muppet Christmas Carol above this one. Yeah, and it does have a lot of the original Muppet crew still there. So it does, even though it is post Jim Henson, it still very much feels like a Henson um well, a Henson Mike, production for even for despite that, just Michael Caine is so fucking good in it. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Caine's really good in it. Really, really like yeah, like, like insane how good he is 
for just a silly fun Muppet movie. Yeah, like he's he put fantastic. in like an actual Dickens performance in a Muppet yes. movie. Yes, that's why it's so great. Yeah. Is that you have the silliness of the Muppets with genuinely good acting and heart, and it's great. Yeah, can't wait to talk about that one. But uh, that... watching him almost cry. Yes, for the death of a young frog puppet. <laughs> it's just like it's, why, it's unbelievable. It's why Michael Caine is one of the best. Michael Caine. Fantastic. Yeah. But uh, this one definitely more. It felt right to finish with this one after those original three, because this very much feels more in the vein of those ones rather than the Christmas Carol tr- uh, Treasure Island. Again, those more just retellings of stories, whereas these your your classic Muppet movie formula. But classic Paul, enough delaying the inevitable here. It is time to crown our champion of our Muppet Madness. All month long, we have been picking from a bracket of 16 of the best Muppets, of the top Muppets. And um, wouldn't you know it, we're down to our final. And who else would it be? I mean, it's we kind of went uh, chalk for the uh, for our picks here at the end. But it would have just been wrong if it was not. For the crown of Muppet King or Queen, Kermit the Frog here, or Miss Piggy. That is our choice. Which Muppet reigns supreme? Um, To be pitting, essentially, well, I don't know what their marital status is at this point, Paul. But two Muppets that were, at one point, husband and wife, pig and frog in holy matrimony. To be pitting them against each other almost seems wrong. But this is what we have to do. Um, Paul, I, I'll let you start with the the opening arguments here. Okay. And I think I'm going to give away who I'm picking. I just want to say this. Miss Piggy is hilarious. Every time we start with, look, I love this character. Miss Piggy is hilarious. I love... No, no, I don't know why, but still sarcastic Miss Piggy makes me laugh. So funny. The, her, her gruff voice of like, can't believe I fell for Muppet Man. Mm. Or like, when she's just like, oh, Kermie, what would you do? And then all of a sudden it's just, she's like, back away, frog. Like, I just, to me, it makes me laugh <laughs> so much. I love her kung fu, you know, a lot of skill went into it. If uh, I could distill how much I love their relationship together, it, no scene I think better exemplifies that than in The Great Muppet Caper, where... They're arguing in the park. Is it? Is it? No. Yeah, it's Muppet Caper. And then uh, Kermit even says, "Like, Piggy, Piggy, you're overacting." Uh, that whole scene, and then they start bickering again. It's so so funny because they go back and forth with like their relationship works both breaking the fourth wall and not. And it's so. Oh, so that's funny. A, that's in Manhattan. Is that in Manhattan? Yeah, because this is after this is when she's confronting him for hanging out with that girl. That, no, wait a minute. Maybe it is. Anyway, whichever one it is, it's very very funny. Yeah, I, and of course, you know, I, you know, me and you, we love the Miss Piggy suit. We the think Miss it's Piggy one of the suit, funny. Really, it carried her to this final, I think, in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, but when you think, hopefully, not the grown man in the Piggy suit literally yeah. carried her to the final. That would be a little disturbing, but I digress. But when you think Jim Henson, when you think Muppets, there's one face that pops up on the logo. There's one face that we all think about. The one song we all think about is Rainbow Connection, and whose face is on it? And that face. Is a Mister the Frog? Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. He is the. We talked about it at the beginning that Michael Eisner envisioned Kermit as 
the Mickey Mouse of a new generation. But that would be putting him, that would be oversimplifying who Kermit is. Because he is more than just a mascot. He is a real character with real personality, with real hopes and dreams um, that uh, we can all connect with. Uh, that again the rainbow connection a sort of somewhere over the rainbow we all can connect with that idea dreams and hopes of of becoming stars and not only just him it, it's it, here's the other thing too it's never ever just about him it's nope. always about let's bring my friends along it's uh, it's we 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 and i know that uh there's even piggy would say but what you know it's always them it's what about us which is true there is there is that too but i think kermit also always remembers um, he, he's a very selfless person, is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. Also, um, he also he's the every frog. You know, he is the every frog. He is the every frog. He's also really funny, and uh, he just can do it all. He can sing. He can ride bikes. He can uh, he can dance, and uh, yeah, like you said, Piggy is is a gem, and Piggy, uh, and, and in a way, Kermit is not complete without Piggy, and Piggy's not complete without Kermit. But, uh, yeah, the frog got us here. The frog saying, told us where we'll find that rainbow connection. It's Kermit. I know it's almost like so anticlimactic after an entire month of trying to pick the best uh, Muppet. Who else were we going to pick but Kermit the frog? It's the frog who is our winner of our Muppet madness. Um, I think for the next one, if we do another Muppet bracket, We'll do an alternate Muppet bracket of best secondary characters, which almost is a more exciting one because I think there's more chance for wild cards and upset in that one. Whereas this one, we all kind of knew where this was heading to. We all knew there might have been a couple of upsets along the way, but it was going to always be frog versus pig with the frog taking, uh, taking it at the end. But uh, yeah, maybe next time. We'll pit. Uh, we'll actually put Janice and Doctor Teeth and Lou Zealand and uh, all those characters into one secondary Muppet bracket, and things will get real chaotic. Did we get a Janice talking about being naked in this movie at all? No, unfortunately, that's a little too risque for Disney. I think. Nope, should have been know. in the movie. That's that's where I. That's yep. my second criticism: the whistling, yep. and no Janice <laughs> talking about having no clothes on. <laughs> you got to keep that continuity. Clearly, Janice. Uh, yeah. She's a free spirit. She's a free spirit, and I don't. And I think they reined her in a little too much. Let Janice fly. Let Cody her spread those wings and fly. I'd hate to get all uh, to get all QAnon on you. Is this QAnon? Um, but there is a Muppet conspiracy about this movie. Yes, give me, give me, give me. There's a, there's a. You might recall it's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. It was a television special in 2002. Uh, it has been said that this movie directly rips off that special. Really? So I will present to you the case for which you, you should be the judge, I guess. I mean, okay. I, I, I have ideas behind some of this, but I want to see what you think. So uh, the Muppets have to raise money to win back their beloved uh, stage here. They have to save their theater from antagonists with villainous names. Rachel Bitterman owns Bitterman Bank and Development. As opposed okay. to, of course, like Tex, Tex Richmond, yeah. who owns Richmond, Richmond yeah. Oil. Right. The villain wants the theater in order to replace it with a more lucrative venture. Uh, in the movie, Bitterman plans to turn the theater into a trendy nightclub that sells watered-down drinks, Club Dot. Of course, Richmond for the oil. Right. 
Bitterman changes the only copy of the contract to force a default on the Muppets mortgage. So we got instead he buys out the mortgage. Right. A character outside the group overhears the villain's plan and perform and informs Kermit. Okay. Uh, Pepe reaches out after being underneath the t- the chair and listens to Bitterman talk about uh, the plan. Oh. Okay. Uh, Bunsen calculates that they will have enough money to pay off their mortgage if they all forgo their salaries for a year. Uh, the Muppets must raise money to save the theater. An outsider and admirer of the Muppets, dressed in a bygone era attire, becomes concerned with the Muppet situation and steps in to motivate Kermit. Uh, Daniel is set down to earth, and he has what looks like uh, like a Dapper Dan outfit with the with the straw hat and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, and you may recall Jason Siegel's and Mary's outfits at the beginning, very much right. at the same time. Those blue, period, the 50s little blue era. suits that uh, Gary and, and Walter make, yeah, yeah, or wear. Yeah. Um, the Muppets put on a show needed to raise the money. The Muppets put on the Christmas Spectacular. Uh, the chickens, clad in sequins and feathers, perform a clucking rendition of a current pop song, Lady Marmalade. Okay, in, what the hell? Yeah. Um, the penguins squawk along with a guitar riff similar to the way it was used in Moulin Rouge, and they compared that to the, the Smells Like Teen Spirit thing. Of course. Uh, the Muppets have to reach a certain amount of money in a race against the clock. They have till midnight to get the ticket sale profits to Bitterman. However, in changing the contract, Bitterman changes the deadline to 6 p.m. The Muppets showcase questionable t- taste in entertainment. Luke Fromage showcases Cirque du Soleil. And uh, Fozzie Bear shows Fart Shoes and the uh, the new one. Right, uh, right. So this is that's a tangential one at best to me. That one I'm yeah. like, okay. Although the Muppets this are is, known for putting on funny acts. This is pretty damning right now. Yeah. Uh in the film, Kermit calls Kelly Ripa, Molly Shannon, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Madonna, and Triumphant's comic dog trying to get them on to bring up to the show. Uh, the gang convinces Kermit that they need Miss Piggy to put on the show. Kermit reluctantly agrees and asks Piggy for help. Uh, in the original one, Kermit goes to the set of Scrubs where Piggy is playing a corpse under a sheet, and uh, they actually interact with the cast of Scrubs to get her to come back to the... Uh, to the Muppets. All right, that one's still. I mean, they always have to. Piggy being convinced to do something with the Muppets is always a thing. When Fozzie accidentally delivers a bag of laundry to Bitterman instead of the money, Kermit goes to speak with her in her office, and Bitterman gloats about her plans uh, and refuses their idea to give them back their Muppet name, uh, which is very similar to this. Yes, it is. Faced with defeat, Kermit retreats, convinced that he's let everyone down. Kermit takes the weight of responsibility for the Muppets' failure. He tells an angel that he wishes he was never born, creating an alternate reality. Uh, to illustrate the cynicism of the world, since the Muppets were relevant, the innocence is juxtaposed with over-the-top TV programming. In Kermit's alternate reality, a Fear Factor contestant is locked in a cage and forced to eat a live rat, who is Rizzo, and <laughs> they compared that with CDE's newest hit show, Punch Teacher, from the new one. Okay, that's a stretch. Yeah, that's I feel like that's a stretch. Although, funny gag that the Fear Factor, it's Riz- they're trying to eat Rizzo. It's very funny. Um, in the world where Kermit had never been born... Bunsen is a rude doorman. Beaker is a bouncer. Statler and Waldorf buy drinks for young ladies. Sam the Eagle is a raver and Scooter is a cage dancer. Uh, they basically just showed sa- unsavory version of the Muppets, which they compare to the Muppets. Once again, tangential, not really the same also, thing. Also, they're doing an it's, it's a Wonderful Life bit. Like, yeah. come on. Uh, Kermit sees a statue of himself in the park, erected in dedication for the lumber, lovers, the dreamers, and you. And they compared that with them doing the Rainbow Connection again, which again, stretch, stretch at best. There's uh, there's enough here though that yeah I I could see the argument. Yeah, the Muppets thinking that he had the money needed. Fozzie accidentally delivers the bag of cash, only to find out he got the wrong bag. Uh, so they think they have the money, but they don't. All right, that's fair. Yeah, there you go. 
Piggy and Bitterman engage in a kung fu fight. There is kung fu, but there's always kung fu. Uh, but I think they're also talking about the the confrontation, like right, Uncle right, Deadly right. confronts Richmond, and yeah. Right, right, right. Pepe goes behind Bitterman's back to secure historic landmark status for the B- Muppet Theater. Uh, so one of the villain's henchmen turns, turns on against him. him. Yeah, okay. The Muppets are unable to meet their goal, but they emerge triumphant anyway. Although Bitterman still owns the theater, it can never be destroyed or modified because Pepe has registered as a historic landmark. Uh, one, of, one of the ones they put is, Whoopi Goldberg appears. <laughs> to me, <laughs> just makes me laugh. That's funny. Uh, Again, Whoopi Goldberg appeared in a lot of things and a lot of cameos for uh, that era too. So not that crazy. Yeah. So that's 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 the great Muppet uh, conspiracy. Well, I wasn't in, but then the moment you said Whoopi Goldberg's in both, well, <laughs> now we know the real perpetrator. This is all Whoopi's doing. There are some specific. Oh no, there's uh, there's a lot there. Yeah. That I'm like, uh, oh yeah, that's actually a little, um, that's a little damning. That's a little concerning that it's that it's that close. I would also say things happen like this where you don't even realize you're imitating things. Like it's not like, although Siegel's a huge Muppet fan, so you would imagine he probably saw it. But yeah. the cultural footprint that the Muppet Christmas special television special had compared to a lot of the other stuff, not very big. Yeah. So. For it to kind of go past him and not realize it is not the craziest thought. You know, not everything's a conspiracy theory. Sometimes life's just weird and random, and that's okay. Yep. You know, sometimes life's like a movie, and you just got to write your own ending, Paul. And sometimes life's a happy song, especially, Cody, when there's a podcast co-host like you by my Aww. side to sing along. Oh Well, if you like more of that heartfelt stuff, well, you've come to the wrong podcast, but you can keep listening to us if you want. <laughs> Uh, you could go to our website, moviemusicalpod.com, and uh, find all of our previous episodes. Uh, also, like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter at moviemusicalpod at both places. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Pasby. Everything is great and everything is grand. At the Paul Ponte on Twitter is my hand. Oh, uh, and you can <laughs> follow me on there. And you can also go to paulponte.com for my photography and other podcast projects. And until next time, we will be closely watching the moves of Whoopi Goldberg and the Muppets together and see <laughs> what conspiracy lies ahead. But until then, I'm Cody Fasby. I'm Paul Ponte. And we will see you down the yellow brick road. Bye.